like you to turn with me to Acts chapter 10, and especially looking at the the words in verse 33, and particularly the second half of verse 33. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. We are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Some of you will maybe remember a song that came out in 1979 or so. It's a song called Video Killed the Radio Star. I still hear that song sometimes played. Video Killed the Radio Star. And what that was about really was at that time... uh, As far as the music industry was concerned, video was becoming more common and was beginning to replace what you would hear just as a voice on the radio um, so that the danger was, as uh, as those singers then in that song set out, that it would actually kill off an interest in listening to the radio. If there was nothing to see, video to see, the music would then just uh, um, just, uh, disappear from radio if there wasn't a video to accompany it. And that's really the title of the song. That's what it was about. And in fact, it was to do with the increasing use of electronic technology in those days as well, not just for the music industry. That was primarily what it was about, but the dangers that we are now very much aware of with regard to video um, images that can come even onto your mobile phone, of course, and that you have an access to virtually at any time. That was in 1979 and over the 40 or so years since then as you know yourselves there's been a vast increase in the use of video not only for music but for conveying messages of adverts or whatever other types of messages are conveyed sometimes good and sometimes bad and undoubtedly video has an impact on listening video tends to distract you from actually giving keen attention to what you're actually hearing. Uh, Not just for songs, but even when you're looking at uh, a video of somebody speaking and other things are going on. For example, a news item, you can see somebody who's reporting, let's say, from just outside um, the Houses of Parliament, and inevitably, as you're looking at the person, whoever it is, that's broadcasting, that's giving you this report, all this other stuff's going on, some people waving flags, traffic going past, and it's so, so easy to have your attention deflected from what's actually being said because your eye catches all these other things in the video. That's what was behind the song Video Killed the Radio Star. And the impact that that's had on such things as the preaching of the gospel has also been quite marked. Preaching of the gospel is still a verbal communication by a preacher to an audience. I know that that sometimes uh, you can actually have that by way of video transmission as well. But where you find uh, a transmission of somebody preaching, even if it is by video, as long as the person is just held in view and nothing else is seen in the background, it's much easier then to listen to what's being said. It's just the same, really, as what you're doing tonight, looking at a pulpit with a minister standing in it and speaking from that pulpit to yourselves as the audience or congregation. If there was a whole lot of other stuff going on behind me, 
you would find yourselves, most of you I'm sure at least will acknowledge, um, easy to easily deflected from or, or your minds directed away from the message of the speaker. And in the Bible, the matter of listening is hugely important. We're counseled to listen carefully to one another. Listening is very much part of the whole matter of trying to help people pastorally, whether we're ministers, elders, or just people like yourselves who visit people belonging to the church or otherwise. It's so, so important, and for years now I've come to understand more and more that really good pastoral, uh, pastoral uh, ministry is about listening, much more than about speaking. You have to listen, especially people who are confined to their homes, who don't find it easy to go out, who maybe aren't seeing people for a long time. They want to speak, and you should let them speak. Just let them. I know it's tiring, but that's really therapeutic. It's how, part of how to help them. Listening, and really listening keenly to what they're saying. If they're expressing some concerns, it's absolutely crucial that we have a proper listening to one another. But you have to extend that and upwards to listening to God. What the Bible is especially concerned to emphasize is the importance of listening to God himself. And that's where our text tonight actually comes in. Therefore, he said, Cornelius said to Peter, we're all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Now, if a congregation were really, as indeed you are yourselves, a good listening congregation, that's a massive bonus to anybody who comes to preach. If it's the conviction of the audience, of the congregation, we are here in the presence of God to hear what you have been commanded by God to speak. What an advantage that is to whoever has to come to preach the gospel to that congregation. After all, the Bible, um, Jesus himself uh, more than once said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The letters to the seven churches in these opening chapters of the book of Revelation. Each of these seven letters finishes with these words. Who has ears to hear? Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The listening, the quality of our listening is absolutely crucial to our spiritual progress. Now that doesn't mean that the person in the pulpit just doesn't need to worry about how the message is presented, whether it's put in an interesting form. Uh, you mustn't think that it's all right just to turn up and you can be as boring as you like. As long as people are prepared to listen, they'll get the message. That's not all we're saying. We have to work as much at our presentation of the gospel as you yourself have to apply yourself to hearing it. But this is what we're here tonight to do. To hear all that God has actually transmitted to us through the preaching of the gospel. Before we come to that itself, the actual listening part, um, I want to actually uh, just take a, a moment to think about the communication that's come to us from God. And secondly then, the importance of listening to God as we find that communication addressing us. A communication has come to us from God. 
What do you make of that? Well, there are a number of things to say about that. First, God has spoken to us. Secondly, God has revealed himself in his, con in his uh, communication to us. And thirdly, God is still speaking to us. He has spoken. He has spoken especially in this word that we have that's now committed to writing, the closed Bible. He has spoken to us especially in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the substance of this word, the substance of the gospel. And he is still speaking to us in the way that the preaching of the gospel conveys a message from God. Every single time we preach the gospel, that's what I should be thinking of as a preacher of the gospel. I'm speaking for God. As Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5, we beseech you on behalf of Christ or in the place of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are speaking as human beings, but as representatives of God, as ambassadors for Christ, it's Christ's voice that's being transmitted through us. And that's not in any way, well, some people today would think this is really rather arrogant of ministers to say that they themselves are representatives of Christ, that God's voice is actually heard through what they're saying. Well, of course you can hear God's voice just reading the Bible for yourself. But remember, Romans 10 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word Christ. And that's a context in Romans 10 that deals especially with the preaching of the gospel and its importance. So this communication has come from, that's come from God. Well, God has spoken. In fact, God has always been speaking to human beings ever since he created them. When you go to, uh, to the first two chapters of the Bible, you'll find that God there spoke to Adam and Eve before the fall that's mentioned in chapter 3, that's described in chapter 3. He spoke to them. He said things like, be fruitful and multiply. He was communicating with the human beings that he had created, with Adam and Eve, with this couple. That was part of, um, of God's purpose in creating man, that there would be a line of communication between himself and these human beings. He endowed them as he endows us with a capacity to listen, to hear his voice. Then, of course, you go to chapter 3, where you have an account of the fall. God didn't cease speaking when man fell, when we became sinners, when the wrath of God came to be directed against us, and his condemnation came to be, to be placed upon us, uh, which is removed, of course, in Christ. But when God came to Adam in the Garden of Eden, Adam had, had you remember, he had... Uh, scuttled away to try and hide himself amongst the trees, the sh shrubbery of the garden. And then there came this voice, Adam, where are you? God spoke. God communicated into the darkness, into the fallenness of man's situation now. But God didn't leave him alone. God kept on communicating and revealing himself to him. The line of communication. And then, of course, you trace that all the way through history. I'm not spending much time on this. You, come, you find this line of communication from God to human beings, particularly to his own covenant people, right through the Old Testament years and into the New Testament. So much so that you come to the letter to the Hebrews, and as you remember, the, Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews begins long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, by Jesus Christ, 
the communication of God, if you think of it, all the way down through the centuries as increasing in volume, if you like, as God communicated to his uh, to uh, human beings, increasingly giving more knowledge of himself, he's turning the volume up, and he's turning the volume up until in Christ it's reached its peak. His great final word is in Jesus Christ. That's why um, the word, uh, that's why John speaks of Jesus as the word which was with God and was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's God's communication par excellence in his own son where God has revealed us nowhere else. That's God has spoken. And in that speaking God has revealed himself in the incarnation of Jesus as well as in the word that's now uh, committed in this Bible to writing God is revealed. It's a self-revelation of God. We have to bear that in mind and hold on to that when the Bible is so much attacked in our day as a, as a book that's outdated. It never becomes outdated because God is uh, in it as revealing himself to us. It's a self-revelation of God more than anything else. Whatever other things are spoken about in the Bible and revealed in the Bible more than anything else it is God revealing himself to us. That's what the Bible really is. He's not just the author of it. He's the substance of it. He's the main subject of it. It is all about him. It's a self-revelation from God. That's why uh, you find uh, John, as we said, speaking of Jesus as the word, the communication from God. And for Second Timothy, speaking about Christ having died and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And then you go to the likes of Luke 24, we looked at recently where um, Jesus is there uh, revealed to the disciples as the Savior, the Son of God, the Messiah, and where in a number of places in that great chapter he, uh, we, we read that he opened the scriptures, he opened their mind to understand the scriptures, and uh, you find uh, there at verse 25, uh, O foolish and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. What a sermon. What a commentary. He began with Moses. He moved on to the prophets. He included all the scriptures. And he spoke to them of the things in these scriptures concerning himself. That were about himself. Showing that it's his book about him. His saving work. You may uh, have read somewhere or seen that uh, a probe that was sent out in 2011 to Jupiter began orbiting Jupiter um, in July 2016, a probe called Juno. And it began orbiting Jupiter, of course, and then sending back this information about this giant gas planet, Jupiter. And those who sent it um, said this about it, the mission is expected to run till July 2021, but the science of Jupiter it returns will last a lifetime. 
the science of Jupiter it returns the messages the information it's giving us about Jupiter will last a lifetime well maybe great thing fantastic technology wondrous thing to behold but the science of God if we may use the word that has come to us in this communication that you have in the Bible of which Christ is the substance not just going to last a lifetime it's going to last an eternity it's God saying this is what I am like this is what I have done this is what I intend yet to do in the promises he gives us it's for eternity it's to last for eternity it's God revealing himself has revealed himself to us and then thirdly the communication from God means God is still speaking to us because this is very much what the Bible is when the Bible is preached when you read the Bible for yourself you are actually listening to God's voice or at least it should be for us God's voice that's because this is God's word it doesn't just contain the word of God it's not here and there saying things that God spoke to people literally the whole Bible the con concluded, concluded revelation of God as it is is what God still uses to speak to us there's no new revelations he's not going to have another John the Baptist or another Abraham uh, to which he's going to give another whole unseen or unheard of revelation of truth the revelation of God is closed with the scripture until Christ comes and there will be some new information undoubtedly then with Christ coming in his own person we shall see him as he is we shall have added to a knowledge that we have often and throughout the Bible one thing that's dreaded by believers is silence on the part of God you notice that so often in the Psalms where the psalmist and sometimes he's perplexed like for example in uh, Psalm 28 uh, the beginning of Psalm 28 there where uh, you find David to you O Lord I call my rock be not deaf to me in other words he's saying listen to my voice but then he says lest if you be silent to me I become like those who go down to the pit he has a dread of God being silent because he equates God being silent as death or near death and that's why God speaking is such a valuable amazing beneficial thing for us the same in Psalm 35 where you find uh, Psalm 35 and verse 22 um, where you, you have seen O Lord be not silent O Lord be not far from me there he is again surrounded and attacked by his enemies and what he really wants to know above all else is that God is speaking to him he wants to hear the voice of God where is he going to be without the voice of God well he tells us there uh, be not far from me as he said in the previous Psalm 28 is really just like death isn't it if God were to stop speaking to us and that's where you find also uh, similar to that in the Bible in Isaiah chapter 64 that great prayer we looked at recently in the prayer meeting Isaiah's great uh, prayer in, 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 Psalm, in, in uh, chapter 64 where in verse 12 he is appealing to God and appealing to God's heart not to be silent will you restrain yourself O Lord 
Will you be silent and, and be afflict us so terribly? You see, the silence of God means death. Your life shrivels up without the voice of God. Without that, without that being your daily experience. Why is it that we have such personal devotions, such personal Bible studies, such personal prayer times? Because we cannot live without hearing the voice of God. Because our life will shrivel up if we don't hear God speaking to us. And if we don't have the facility used by us of speaking to God. It's a two-way communication. But God speaks through the Bible. Notice um, God is still speaking through the Bible, especially as it is being preached. Well, the larger catechism, it's a long quote, but I'm going to just uh, quote it to you. It's, it's number 155 of the larger catechism. How is the word made effectual to salvation? The Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the word, an effectual means of enlightening, convincing, and humbling sinners, of driving them out of themselves and drawing them unto Christ, of conforming them to his image and subduing them to his will, of strengthening them against temptations and corruptions, of building them up in grace and establishing their hearts in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. What a volume of benefits from the Bible, from God blessing his word to us. Now we are here in the presence of God, they said, Cornelius said, to hear all that you have been commanded by God. And uh, Cornelius didn't say, we are here all in the presence of God to listen to you. You see, that's not what he said. We are here to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. To hear what God has given you to say to us. You're not here tonight to listen to me, I hope. You're not here to listen to the voice of a mere human being, though that's what you're hearing and though that's what God is using. You have come here tonight to listen to God, haven't you? You've come here to listen to the voice of God, to hear the voice of God, to know this Bible blessed to you in such a way that you leave this place saying, I heard God tonight. I know my heart was addressed by God. My heart was moved. I learned more about God tonight. I learned something else about Him. I learned something new. Isn't that what the desire of your heart is? Isn't that your burden here together? That you come and say to me, a preacher of the gospel, now we are all here in the presence of God to hear what God has given to you to relate to us. It's God that speaks and it's you that wants to hear God speaking above everything else. Communication from God. Well, secondly, what then about this listening to God? We are here to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Now you see, firstly, it's important to notice that Cornelius was a bit busy uh, before this uh, gathering in his house. He was actually busy gathering people together. Notice verse 24, where you find there that um, having had this experience that's described in the chapters, we read through it, uh, on the following day, they entered uh, Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his, his relatives and close friends. He 
Cornelius wasn't content just to have himself. He was a man of God. He was a devout man. We read about him there at the beginning. A man who feared God along with his household. Who supported the cause of God by giving generously. And when he knew that this communication was coming from the Lord. From an apostle from Peter. He didn't just say right I have to make sure I'm there so that I can hear this. He gathered others with him. Isn't that what God puts in your heart when you come to know him? Isn't it a burden on your own heart tonight to see that there are still empty pews in this building that could be filled, that should be filled with people who would come to hear the voice of God? Isn't that what our evangelism is about? I know that we have a lot of things perhaps in advance of that that we need to make people familiar with, that we can't maybe immediately expect everybody to come to church with us. But that's the aim, isn't it? Because this is where God's voice is heard, especially in the preaching of the gospel. And they were gathered together, he said. We are all here. We are all here together in the presence of God. He's not just saying to, to Peter the apostle, we're here now in your presence. Cornelius knew his God. He knew what it was to worship God. And when he and those he has gathered are actually here ready to speak to Peter, to ask Peter to speak to them, this is what he says, we are here in the presence of God. That's where we are tonight. I know that you know that. Sometimes, however, I and you yourselves maybe just lose a little of the sense of that. A little of the sense of the enormity of that. Of the privilege of that. Of the huge thing that it is. That we can indeed say. We have been in the presence of God tonight. We are gathered in the presence of God. And we have to dwell on what that means. And dwell increasingly on what it is that we're doing when we come to church services. We're coming to be in the presence of God. And whatever people think of our gathering, that's what we have to try to convey to them. That we want to be in the presence of God. That we love to be in the presence of God. That we would not substitute that with anything else. And that we are convinced when we gather to worship Him together, that as a congregation, we are in fact in His very presence. And He is here with us in this building tiny building compared to the immensity of God but that's what he says where you're gathered in my name I am there in the midst and he's here to be listened to and we are here to speak with him to hold conversation to him to listen a conversation with him to listen to his voice speaking to us to pray that his spirit will bless his word so that we will hear his voice. Well, he says, we are here gathered in the presence of God. But then he says, also, we are here ready to hear all that you have been commanded. It's not just saying, we're here so you can now speak. He's saying, we have been gathered here and we are ready to hear what you have to say. What you have been commanded by God to say. That's important, isn't it? We are ready to hear. That's the second characteristic of listening to God being ready to hear. I remember being on a, on a plane some years ago 
leaving Stornoway it was, and as the uh, message was given out for the safety, uh, the safety message that you, that you hear before the plane takes off or goes out to the runway, you have a message that's uh, giving you some directions for your safety. And as that message was given out, there was a, a couple in front of me who weren't just listening, they weren't listening to the message more than that, they were talking so loudly and bantered with one another that I could hardly hear the message sitting behind them. And you know, that was an illustration, really, to me at the time. I remember thinking, well, there's so many people who do that with the voice of God. It's not just that they don't want to hear it themselves, they're busy talking about or thinking about something else, but they're actually preventing others from hearing it as well. And here is Cornelius saying, we are ready to hear. We're listening to this announcement from God. It's vital to our safety. You remember in the days, um, well, I remember in the days, some of you are too young to remember this, but I remember the days before we had television, and before we had digital radios or any of that sort of stuff, and the radio we had at home, um, you had to fiddle around with the round knobs on it until you got the station and then the volume, and you had to just kind of synchronize that to get the station that you wanted to listen to. And there was all of this uh, whistling and cracklings and these noises until you finally got it precisely where you wanted but then inevitably you started listening to what you were going to listen to and it kicked out and went something else and another voice came in or a piece of music that you didn't want to hear you had to reach on it well we have to have our minds tuned to the voice of God we are he says ready to hear all that you have been commanded by God. We don't come to the house of God in any sort of mindset thinking that somehow or other if God speaks to us then all will be well. There's a preparation to be done. Let me take you again to the larger catechism where really how we tune our minds to hear God is in the larger catechism 160. What is, what is required of those that hear the word preached? What is required of those that hear the word preached. It is required of those that hear the word preached that they, one, attend upon it with diligence, preparation, and prayer. Two, examine what they hear by the scriptures. Three, receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind as the word of God. Four, meditate and confer on it. In other words, Confer means talk about it together, something we saw in the Gaelic this morning. Five, hide it in their hearts and bring forth the fruit of it in their lives. That's a chunky piece uh, of catechism, but it's so important. What is required of those that hear the word preached? To benefit in the maximum way from the word preached. This is what the catechism, this is, this is what these men of God actually saw was necessary to attend on it, to examine it, to receive it, to meditate and confer of it, to hide it in your heart and bring forth the fruit of it in our lives. Now then we are ready, said Cornelius, gathered in the presence of God, ready to hear what you have been commanded by the Lord. And the third thing in listening to God isn't just a matter of being gathered together as a congregation and being ready to hear 
as a congregation and individually. The third thing is we are to be willing to respond. It's not just a hearing. It's a hearing with a view to doing. As James says, be not hearers only, but doers of the word. And to hear, to listen to God is to listen with the intention of doing what he says. Jesus accused the Jews, the Pharisees, the leaders especially, um, of who were listening to his ministry at the time. He said, uh, one of the things he said to him, why, why is it that uh, you're listening to what I have to say, but do not do the things that I'm telling you? We are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Listening to the truth is with a view to living it. Listening so as to living it. That's why he's saying here, ready to hear all that has been commanded of you by God. You see, Cornelius um, is uh, a centurion. And this is a word that's really has a military ring to it. It's been commanded by the Lord, given to you as a command from God. And as a military man, Cornelius knew what a command was, and he knew what it was to give commands. Uh, we're not here as preachers to command you. We are here to convey God's command to you. We are here to convey God's word, which includes commands to you. And Cornelius is well aware of the fact that uh, Peter is in that very same situation. He's conveying from God something that God has commanded him to say. And they are ready to listen and to comply and to respond to that truth. Somebody has put it this way. Where God has given you a command, obey it. Where he's given you an example, follow it. Where he's given you a promise, bank it. Where he's given you a warning, heed it. Just say these again. Where he's given you a command, obey it. Where he's given you an example, follow it. Where he's given you a promise, bank it. Where he's given you a warning, heed it. And he has given all of these to us in his word. And they are all conveyed through the preaching of the word and your reading of the word. So that you will actually receive that as his word. Some of you older ones, I'm sure, remember the late Reverend Kenneth Mackay. He was born in Calabost and uh, became a minister in the Free Church and ministered many years in Brackadale in Skye. And I remember a few times, my younger days, hearing him preach in Gaelic, it would have been, and he peppered his sermon always with this, Elugeshtoch. All the way along the sermon, two or three times, if not more, you would hear this, Elugeshtoch, are you listening? Or sometimes you'd put it another way, how Geshtok, you are listening. Because he was concerned that the message he was delivering on behalf of God was a serious message, one that had to be listened to. But you know, what's really crucial to us is that that's what God is saying to us tonight. That's what God is saying to yourself and to myself. Are you listening to me? Are you taking in my voice and what I am saying to you? 
the voice of God himself. Now then we are here in the presence of God, ready to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. May it be so for me and for you. Let's pray. Lord our God, we thank you for your voice. We thank you for the word of truth that you have given us. We thank you for the privilege of preaching it. We bless you for your spirit that makes the preaching of the word effective to your people. We thank you for the listening that you give to your people. We thank you for the listening in this congregation. We give thanks for the way that you touch our hearts so as to realize the importance of God himself speaking to us through his word. O Lord, our God, help us to live what we are hearing from your word and grant that that itself will prove to be a means of affecting others positively too. Receive us now, we pray, and cleanse us from all our sin. For Jesus' sake, amen. Well, let's conclude by singing again to God's praise in Psalm 85. Singing this time in the Sing Psalms version of Psalm 85. And uh, that's on page 113. Junus Heiferdal, verses 8 to 13. I will hear what God the Lord says. To his saints he offers peace. But his people must not wander and return to foolishness. Surely for all those who fear him, his salvation is at hand. So that once again his glory may be seen within our land. Verses 8 to 13. I will hear what God the Lord says. I will hear what God the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and evermore. Amen. <laughs>